Listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We were on blog talk this morning and talking about the Lost Kingdom, which we did last week. And we're trying a few things different this week. Uh, hopefully the sound will come through a little bit better. And we have on the call with us uh, someone helping us monitor this uh, uh, from Wisconsin, uh, Paul Bethke. And occasionally we may uh, address him and maybe even have a guest on the show. And uh, we're going to uh, see if we can improve the quality of our radio program. And we're talking about the kingdom of God all the time on Keys of the Kingdom and trying to share with you the keys to that kingdom and how that works in our modern day lives and world in which we live. Uh, we mentioned that uh, today uh, uh, Orwell was born, who wrote the book uh, 1984, and uh, the 1984 book has become kind of a cult classic. Uh, it is the favorite book of uh, Hillary Clinton. I always wondered whose side was she on in that book. Uh, was it uh, the Ministry of uh, uh, Power or the Priests of Power of the, their system that controlled the mind and the thinking of the people and kept them in constant uh, state of subject um, subservience? Uh, or was she on the side of those who were seeking to be free? And, of course, it's a rather depressing book because uh, things don't work out <laughs> for the, the man struggling to know the truth and to be free. But in truth, being a free nation, being a free people, being a free individual is a struggle. It is a difficult thing. It is something that we must strive for. And I am always amazed at the thinking of modern Christians and the teaching of the modern church that says all you have to do is believe. When Jesus was asked, are the few saved or many saved, uh, he didn't really answer the question, he kind of skirted it, but he said, strive. Jesus is always talking about striving, doing, seeking being doers of the word, not hearers only. But yet modern churches say all you have to do is believe. And they aren't very clear on what you should believe. As a matter of fact, many of the things that they teach are absolutely contrary to what you should believe. 
and they're contrary to the teachings of Christ. Christ said, when it was asked, what should I do to attain eternal life? Important question, very important question. What was the answer? Did he say, just believe in me? He says, thou knowest the commandments, keep them. So, are we coveting our neighbor's goods today? Have we given the power to other men to decide what is good and evil for us by making covenants and contracts with them, by applying to them, praying to them, making them the father of our own household? And that fathers are to train up their children and teach them. Then, is that what we are doing? Or are we hiring somebody else to train up and teach our children? Well, if you send them to public school, you're not really hiring anybody but the benefactors who exercise authority because you're paying for that education by forcing your neighbor to contribute to it and you have entered into this social estate. So what's the answer? Well, homeschooling. Well, some of you say, well, that's very difficult for me. You know, I have to work uh, just to pay the bills. Well, then you should get into a congregation of fellow Christians seeking the kingdom and start helping one another homeschool. The elderly of your community, the elderly of your family should be helping you homeschool. Grandmothers can teach small children, or she can go play golf, or she can run around and, you know, participate in all sorts of social activities. But there is no more important social activity than the training of your children and the teaching of your children and taking the time and the sacrifice to teach your children yourself will change the nature of your family, will change the nature of the way in which your children raise their own children. So these are little things that you can start to do. We've become so dependent upon the state. We've also, I was pointing out earlier, that we were dependent upon the technology provided to us often through the powers of the state. Now, we had very innovative people inventing uh, electrical power plants on a community and individual basis back in the 20s and 30s. And this, this technology was pushed off the grid by uh, massive funding in rural electrification. Gigantic dam building projects, hydroelectric projects, coal-fired plant projects that uh, provided electricity to people all over the United States. They could have provided it for themselves through local community efforts to... Uh, a thousand, uh, ten thousand, hundred thousand small power plants, and then they would be very independent as a society. But now they're plugged into a single grid. I remember there was a dam in uh, Grants Pass, that uh, Savage Rapid Dam, that they wanted to take out, and they eventually did take it out. And it provided irrigation water and could have provided hydroelectric power but it provided irrigation water for hundreds, even thousands of acres of ground in that area. 
and uh, the federal government came along, tore out the dam, put in Herculean pumps that pumped the water up. But now that land will all not produce crops if the power goes out. Again, we the same concept of centralizing authority in our lives, uh, giving power to individuals rather than retaining our rights by retaining the power of choice for ourselves has transmuted itself into our educational system, into our social infrastructure, uh, to our economic infrastructure. Money. Uh, I actually heard a lawsuit against someone who was uh, producing uh, Liberty Dollars and the prosecuting uh, attorney on the federal uh, attorney was saying that the power to uh, print money or make money has always been in the hands of the federal government. And you you kind of wonder what school did she go to? It wasn't in the hands of the federal government <laughs> at all. Bank notes were made by individual banks, and that's always the way it was in America. That there were individual banks that were making bank notes, backing the reserves in those banks. It wasn't centrally controlled whatsoever. Yes, banks would go out of business, but it wouldn't be the whole nation go out of business. It'd be just that one bank. And the assets of that bank would be seized and sold at auction, and uh, depositors they would try to pay them back. And you you had the responsibility that if you were going to use a bank, which you probably shouldn't be using at all, you should have a credit union where you'd have more control, because you would literally be a stockholder yourself in the very bank where you had money deposited, and it wouldn't be called a bank; it'd be operating not for profit but for the purposes of helping you. But we are constantly centralizing these uh, positions of power, whether it be in social structures or economic structures or actually uh, uh, the mechanical structures of society. We are centralizing the power and control because we are forgetting about the responsibility of those uh, objects of society. We should be responsible for the training of our children. We should be responsible for the, how did they make money originally? Well, silver miners made money. Gold miners made money. That's where the first dollar or thaler came from, from a silver miner named Thaler. And he made coins. He took his silver and made them into coins and he did it with uh, pride and with a standard that made it so that everybody wanted his coins because they were so well made and so pure and so stamped with his stamp of approval and they he sold those coins to obtain what he needed and they went out into circulation commodity money and you could melt the coins down and use the silver for whatever you wanted or you could buy bars from the guy and that's how money got into circulation as a product of labor. And other things were used as money. In early America, uh, wheat farmers on the west side of the Alleghenies could transport their wheat in, uh, uh, out to the uh, east coast and sell it. But that was heavy, bulky. 
and so many of them made whiskey uh, to transport that because it was easier to transport the uh, barrels of whiskey than the tons of grain that they were producing. So whiskey actually became a commodity money, and people would buy whiskey in a bottle and reuse it to buy other things because it was more portable than a 100-pound sack of grain because they knew that somebody would always pay good money for that whiskey. <laughs> but there were other commodities, too. I would just use that as one example. Um, but the reality is that we should be producing our own money in society. But we've lost that. So where do we start? How do we get back? How do we seek the kingdom? Do we do it by, oh, well, we'll start creating our own money. Well, there's lots of silver coins around in circulation. That's already in existence. And if you happen to be a silver miner, you can do this. Um, I know guys who do make commemorative coins, silver ounces, and they use it just like money. They use, they're in the trading business. But that's probably not the best place to start. It's uh, something that a person can do. But the best place to start is finding other people who seek the kingdom. Now, this week I was out with the sheep in, on the desert and uh, uh, cutting hay and watching the sheep. I can see them over the fence where they pasture, and I'm in the hay field. And suddenly I notice there's about a half a dozen or, or so sheep in the hay field, grazing. They have found a way through the fence. Now, there's tons of grass on their side of the fence. There's clover. There's water. There's everything that they would want. There's nothing more in the hay field than what's on the other side, but there's always some sheep who want to get through that fence and get to the other side. And I eventually found where they were coming through at, and I've tried to block it off a little better. But uh, they really have to struggle. They have to get down and literally crawl under the fence on their bellies to get through. And there's a handful of them that do this, and they, they get a few... There's one, really, and he gets the, the others to follow him. But then when they, the other sheep moved off and they saw me coming, they rushed to get back into the fence. And they turned and ran. The one knew exactly where to go, and he ran to get back into the fence. And one of the lambs didn't see where they ran and got left behind. And they didn't care. They didn't come back and get them. They, these are selfish sheep. <laughs> they're, they're interested in filling their own bellies and getting back with the herd, but they lost one of their own, and they left him behind. And he, I, I saw him. I watched him for half the day as I cut hay. I kept my eye on him. He would run back and forth, and he couldn't remember where they came through at because he was just following the sheep in front of him. And he kept running back and forth and back and forth, and he couldn't figure it out. Eventually, by the end of the day, he figured it out and got back. I seen coyotes in the field that day, too, so he was lucky he got back with the rest of the sheep. Sheep are, rain sheep are naturally gregarious. They come together. And when they come together, they're safer. And they have that tendency to do that. But there's always selfish ones who want to go off and feed their belly, want to do something, step outside the ring, so to speak and do their own thing. And they put themselves before the gregarious importance of staying together. And we've lost that almost entirely in this country. 
we've lost that gregarious instinct and and you'll find that among some sheep like Hampton and uh, uh, Suffolk the black faced sheep they have been farm flocks for so long fenced in for so long that when you turn them out on the range they just go wherever their bellies lead them they just they run to wherever the grass is the greenest and they'll leave the herd behind to do it and they'll become a scattered flock all over the desert and the coyotes will eat them up one by one and that's where we've come we've come to that state in society where we don't come together for the purposes of loving one another and that's why I wrote this book Thy Kingdom Come which you can get free on the net is that we have to come together for love of one another not simply for what we can get out of it but what we can bring to others and if you don't have that spirit you can forget about freedom you will not be free Oh, you can run off and do your own thing. You can you can breach the boundaries of a good society and run and fill your belly in a field you don't belong in. But you will be separated. You will be left behind. You will be lost eventually. You may get away with it for a while, and you will think you're a free man or a sovereign or whatever, but eventually age will creep up on you reality will creep up on you or a coyote bobcat or mountain lion will creep up on you and devour you because the beast listed where he will he goes where he will about the land devouring who he will if you don't come together with that spirit of Christ in you that spirit of sacrifice for others you will not find the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God. That's what the kingdom of God is, the right to be ruled by God instead of by the God's many of the world. So anyway, um, I forgot to bring my clock in here so I can keep track of the time. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at coming up on a break. Maybe we could uh, hear a word from Paul. Are you there, Paul? I think I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> well, I can. We'll ask everybody who's listening uh, to send an email to me, uh, and I'll check it at break time to see if uh, our sound, how our sound is doing, how it's coming across to all the people out there um, in uh, in Radio Land. <laughs> so, uh, and maybe after uh, the half hour, we'll have a guest come on from Iowa. Um, who is uh, one of our uh, contact ministers and ministers of record there in Iowa. And they will get a first-hand report as to the nuclear power plant and the flooding over there. I know that his house is not in danger of being flooded, but he's been watching closely the events there. And this is part of what the kingdom is, is watching out uh, when they discovered that there was a power plant that was in danger there at... Uh, Fort Calhoun, I believe it is, and uh, it has spent rods. It wasn't active at the time. It had been shut down for repairs, and somebody had the foresight of not starting it up because of the dangers of flood. But there's still the rods laying around that must be kept cool, and uh, so far I, I believe things are working out. There was some information that came in this morning, but I didn't have time to look at it yet. 
but uh, that's part of the networking that is the kingdom is that people are keeping an eye on each other keeping an eye on problems uh, being responsible but uh, they realize that if things got went from bad to worse uh, they they may literally become uh, in a very dangerous area because they're not very far away from this nuclear power plant and immediately we had volunteers in Nebraska and the Dakotas uh, and several other places that would receive them and their families if they had to move from where they're at today. Uh, that is kingdom. That is what was so important in the first century when uh, thousands of Christians were compelled under Claudius to leave Rome, just had to leave, couldn't operate in Rome anymore. Uh, they had to leave their businesses, they had to leave their homes, and they had to get out of Rome proper. They had a place to go because they had the kingdom of God, this network of men who care about one another. And the same is true when the fall of Jerusalem came. And thousands of Christians who lived in Jerusalem had to leave and were allowed to leave by uh, the general of the Roman army, Titus. And when they left, they could leave with nothing. They had to leave their gold and silver behind. They had to leave their money, their property, everything behind. They couldn't, they couldn't sell their house and then leave because the Jews wouldn't let them and if they tried to swallow coins the Jews would cut their cut them open to get the coins out of their belly so they had to literally not even go back for their coat leave everything and, and if they didn't they would have been destroyed with the rest of the, uh, the Jews who remained there when the army finally did take Jerusalem but they left and they were given free passage by Titus where did they go? with nothing where, where, who would receive them? Did they call up the federal government, the FEMA, the Rome, say, hey, we, we've been displaced, we have no home, uh, can you provide us with welfare? No. They went to church, and the church was people, and they were people in a network, and they received them all over Rome and, and even over the uh, northern provinces. Uh, there were Christians everywhere and they melded into the Christian society who received them and gave them new places to be and live and work and redevelop what they had once lost. They were workers, and there were people who cared and were there for them. And they created the bonds of the kingdom, which is love. So this is what uh, we need to be participating in, is creating that structure, and we need to be doing it now. We should have been doing it for the last 50, 100 years, uh, but we haven't. Uh, our churches have distracted us with false uh, systems of salvation, which are basically a lie. They don't include the strive that Christ included. They don't include the keeping of the word. They don't include keeping the commandment. They say that it's okay to send your children away and have somebody else teach them values. They've diluted, watered down the gospel of the kingdom until we have become an absolutely enslaved nation both through law and mentally enslaved 
so that we no longer realize that you could have a society based on faith, hope, and charity. And it could be successful. So we got one minute to break. Uh, Paul, uh, how are things in Wisconsin? Things are just great in Wisconsin. The weather's, <laughs> the sun is finally shining. It's been a rainy week. Oh. We had uh, the highs yesterday of 68 and lows of 31. 31. <laughs> Up here in the mountains, global warming hasn't caught on here. But we'll be back to keep looking for this place. ahead of the dominant media firstamendmentradio.com and firstamendmentradio.net gold and silver is tremendously undervalued global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually there is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver the US dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency our nation faces challenges on many fronts and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity there has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, 
First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we were going to run some tests here on uh, during the break uh, to see how our uh, audio was working, but uh, evidently I couldn't communicate with the uh, uh, fellow who's putting us on the Skype, which is Paul. Uh, are you there now, Paul? I'm here, and Scott has also <coughs> Scott has also joined us. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Scott, are you there? Hello, I'm, uh, I'm trying to speak. Are you, are you guys okay. able to hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I saw you sent out a video or report uh, this morning on what's going on in Iowa uh, and Nebraska with the uh, nuclear power plants there uh, in that vicinity. Uh I didn't get a chance to look at them. It took forever to even load the email. What's happening there? Can you give us a brief report? Yeah, um, that was actually forwarded to me by uh, one of our congregation uh, members, uh, Jim, who lives out in West Omaha. Uh, there's a YouTube uh, blogger named Dutch Sense, and he uh, um, does a lot of Geiger counter readings and goes all over the place. And uh, he came, he, he lives in St. Louis and drove up here and he's posted on his uh, YouTube page his Geiger counter reading from uh, the Fort Calhoun nuclear power station. Um, he wasn't, he, you can see in the video that he drove right up to the uh, guard shack at the Fort Calhoun station, but uh, they hid the camera and left it running underneath a, a jacket or something so it wouldn't be taken by the local authorities. Uh, they obviously weren't able to do a Geiger reading right there at the power plant. So they drove uh, about, oh, I'd say probably a half a mile up the road to the Cargill uh, uh, processing facility. And uh, there they were able to get into a, a private field and uh, take some readings. So it's not, the readings aren't exactly right at the nuclear power plant. They're probably about a half a mile away. But in the video you see that uh, they were well... Uh, uh, very low readings, normal background radiation uh, readings is what was uh, what was uh, displayed on the Geiger counter, uh, which is very good news. Um, which it should be actually because the plant's been shut down since uh, the end of April. It's not really online at this point. They're really just concerned about the uh, spent fuel pool uh, cooling facility. That's where they had the fire back uh, uh, earlier. Uh, I think it was in May uh, when they had that fire. I don't don't quote me on that, but uh, we do. As far as the flooding goes, there's uh, obviously a lot going on in North Dakota, which is kind of dominating the news with that river up there through Minot. But uh, here uh, in our county, they have finally issued a mandatory evacuation notice uh, for the river bottom uh, west of Interstate I-29 uh, over to the Missouri River levee. Uh, from um, 
all, pretty much all the way down the Mills County line uh, to the Fremont County line. Um, the mandatory Do you have any people in that area that uh, you know of? Or? Yeah, I know quite a few people in that area. Uh, a few weeks ago when we came back from Wisconsin, um, which all this started happening while we were in Wisconsin, I got home, there were lots of messages on our home answering machine for uh, requests for sandbagging help and things like that. But we went down to a uh, uh, very good close personal friend. They're, they live about 500 yards from the levee. Um, they have moved all of their personal belongings out of the house. The house is pretty much empty as of several weeks ago. They were just basically camping in their own home with a blow-up air mattress and some lawn chairs and their TV just to uh, uh, protect their property because there were a lot of looky-loos with uh, out-of-state license plates driving up their dead-end road, which they don't normally get. But there's access right to the uh, one of the gate valves on the levee right behind their house, and we went and checked that out then. Um, and their, field, their fields behind their house were already flooded. The road uh, leading to their house, there was one intersection that was... Uh, the water's just lapping right up to the gravel. Um, so I'm surprised they waited this long to give the mandatory evacuation order, um, which doesn't mean that everybody has to leave. It just means that, you know, if you decide to stay in that zone with your property, uh, don't be calling uh, the Mills County Sheriff's Department or emergency services to come and help because they're not going to come and help you now. You're on your own. Um, right. My cousin, who also lives very close to there, um, he's on the other side of I-29. Um, we're trying to uh, get things prepared for him to be able to get out. Um, and we're also working with, uh, I'm, I'm trying to work with my mom, who's a Head Start uh, facilitator for young children. Uh, there's lots of families in Pacific Junction where they're building 10-foot, 12-foot uh, berm walls uh, in preparation for the higher water that's supposed to come later on this month and into August. Uh, when, uh, the, uh, so is the water expected to continue to rise? That's the kind of rumor that I've heard. Uh, yeah, they're, they're anticipating um, in Pacific Junction, which kind of like Hamburg, Hamburg got a lot of of uh, press a few weeks ago because the levee has already broken down by Hamburg and they built a temporary uh, second levee uh, right near I-29 to help prevent the water from getting into uh, Hamburg itself. Uh, but Pacific Junction itself, the, the residents within uh, Pacific Junction, they've, they're have they sandbagging, but really the it's the uh, railroad switching terminal that is getting most of the attention. They're building these huge levees around all of the railroad yard, uh, the switching facility there, to be able to keep the coal moving uh, through there, which is, I mean, other things move through there on the railroads, but coal is huge to go to all these coal-powered uh, power plants, and they don't want that to get shut down because if that gets shut down, then uh, uh, we're going to be really hurting for electricity. Yeah, now that's that's an interesting point. People don't realize uh, what kind of card house we've created in this technological system is uh, that you have uh, uh, even a nuclear power plant that is shut down uses a huge amount of electricity in order to run the pumps that are necessary in order to keep the spent rods uh, cooled. 
the rods that they're going to put back online are still there, still radioactive, and they're simply not in conjunction with each other so much to create that critical heating process, but the rods themselves, because of the size and structure of the rods, they will heat up on their own if you're not keeping them cool. So that requires electrical pumps. Uh, they have some backup generators uh, to operate those pumps, but uh, if the grid goes down, all nuclear power plants are in serious trouble because they need the grid operating in order to run the pumps to keep the rods cool, to keep it from going critical. This is what happened in uh, Fukushima, was that the generating uh, facilities was knocked out, along with the power system, uh, so that even if the uh, plant had remained completely intact from the tidal wave, it could not keep the rods cool, and then you started getting heating, steaming, explosions of steam, explosions of hydrogen, uh, which is where a great deal of the damage came from. Uh, this has been a big threat to nuclear power plants all across uh, the world, and that's why they're outlawing them in places like Germany now and probably will in Japan uh, because of the fact that if you lose your source of power, uh, your power grid, uh, the nuclear power plant becomes literally a, uh active bomb. Uh, of danger and poisons um, because they need that water to keep it cool. So here we have a flood may knock out the uh, railroads to supply the coal that operates the electrical grid to keep the nuclear power plants from going <laughs> off, going nuclear, so to speak. Uh, I wanted to, anybody listening to this, uh, keep us informed of as to what the sound is like. I was uh, listening to Scott. I don't know if he was too close to his microphone uh, or not. I don't know if that came across. I don't know if that's my equipment, but it seemed to be uh, uh, a little bit scratchy. Let us know because we want to keep improving the quality here of the radio show. Uh, so anyway, uh, the, it is a, a curiosity as to whether and how much higher that water is going to get uh, there's also, from what I understand, a number of dams, not just levees, that are up the uh, river that are all at maximum capacity that if for some reason one of those dams were to go, you would have uh, a sudden uh, immediate uh, disaster downriver that we could reach all the way to New Orleans. Um, Last I saw, um, if I can interrupt, um, the highest... In, 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 since they built the Gavin's Point Dam, which is the last dam uh, on the southern side of the river, there are no dams from Yankton, South Dakota, all the way to St. Louis. All the dams are above Yankton, yeah. South Dakota. And the last dam there at Gavin's Point, um, the highest the release has ever been on that until this summer was 70,000 cubic feet per second. Um, it's, they thought that for a while... Uh, for most of the summer, they were going to be able to keep it at 150,000 cubic uh, feet per second. And now it's running at 160,000 cubic feet per second. And they're oh. planning on keeping it at that release level uh, probably all summer long. The uh, estimates I've heard is that everything that's underwater now is probably still going to be underwater 
in December, and the level is just going to continue to get higher and higher. We went out the other day and did a little road trip and took pictures. Uh, we went to Lewis and Clark uh, Overlook Park, uh, which is kind of like directly east of the Epley Airfield uh, that services Omaha and Council Bluffs. The, all the approach light systems are, are in water. Uh, they're not submerged yet, but they're uh, in water on the north end of the field. The, the levee that goes around Epley uh, Airfield is um, holding, but the water level is just a matter of feet from, the, from breaching that levee. My wife works at that airport, and uh, they're already making... Uh, plans to start moving non-essential material and equipment to the Lincoln Airport, and United has issued a memo to the employees there that they would be able to go to either uh, continue work in Des Moines or at Lincoln. It would be their choice. So I would imagine they're probably anticipating Epley Airfield to also close. Um, getting back to the power plants, I know of at least I know of at least three power plants on the Missouri River. Uh, directly on the river that are coal-fired. Um, um, are you still, you know, you're still there? Yeah, I'm still here. My wife I wasn't sure uh, that was a break. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Um, uh, I don't think she realized that I was on the radio. <laughs> um, the, there's three coal-fired plants that are directly on the river, and... Uh, you know, the concerns also, we're not even hearing about that. What happens if they get flooded out and are unable to produce power, uh, like the nuclear power plants? The uh, commissioner of the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission is in town now to tour the two nuclear facilities uh, within uh, eastern Nebraska right on the river. There's Cooper, which is down south by Brownsville. Uh, that is online and flooded, and they're saying, well, the levees that they've, the sandbag walls that they've built are going to be fine. Uh, actually, Fort Calhoun is, uh, is an island right now. Uh, it is completely surrounded by river water. So, you know, it's, it's not a friendly situation right now, plus all the people being, being displaced is uh, very sad to oh, know yeah, that all I these. Uh, yeah, and the uh, you know there's a huge amount of property loss that uh, takes place uh, with this, and uh, you know people will lose their livelihoods uh, for the year. I, I'm I, I'm not sure what it amounts to, but I know that a large number of crops didn't get planted this year because of how wet the fields were. Uh, it was just too late in the year to even get into many of the fields. Some of the fields were not completely planted because. Uh, you know, there were standing water in fields. Uh, when we drove back from uh, Minnesota, it just poured rain almost all the way back till we got to the mountains. Uh, and fields and roads were washed out. There were sandbags in half the towns we went through. Uh, and you would think that the rainy season was over, but yet they've had much more rain since. Um, it's yeah, we uh, just had an inch and a half just early this morning, right here. Right. Yeah, we uh, actually the desert's blooming because uh, we usually get maybe seven inches of rain in the entire year, and we've gotten a little bit more. But the weather has also been much cooler, and growing is behind. There'll be uh, hundreds of tons of hay not put up this year in our area because of the fact that the season is so late. Uh, there's still snow on the mountains uh, surrounding the valley. 
uh, and it's in July already. Uh, and like I said, uh, we had 31 degrees last night. It didn't damage any crops, but uh, it's very uh, slow growing of uh, a lot of hay and stuff. But uh, a lot of crops were ruined along the Mississippi Valley and other uh, rivers and tributaries where people grow a great many crops in the, the lowlands around the rivers. Lots of crops weren't planted. I'm curious as to the statistics as to whether or not those crops are going to uh, have, uh, you know, uh, you know, those loss of crops are going to have an impact on the price of food and the availability of, uh, you know, commodities. I'm sure our store shelves won't be empty, but it may cost more to fill your basket by the end of this summer. And you're talking that this flood levels are going to remain all the way to December. I'd heard August, but... Uh, did I hear you correct that you're saying that this stage may last till December? That's what uh, we've heard. Um, the the bottom land um, is going to rise. Right now, it's it hasn't breached across I-29 in our area. I'm, I'm only speaking for the sections of Mills County. Um, I-29 is closed north of Council Bluffs. It's basically a, just a huge lake. Um, South of us, the I-29 is closed in uh, southern sections of Iowa for several miles into Missouri uh, due to levee breaks. But what the information we're getting here is they're anticipating the levels of water to be above the 1955 flood, which would put the water in Pacific Junction at about 12 feet. And there isn't even any water in Pacific Junction yet. Uh, what they're saying as far as December is where the water is now, which has pretty much flooded all of the fields uh, to the west of I-29 up to the river channel, that's what's anticipated to be underwater at least through December. Well, if it's into December, <laughs> that's wintertime. We're going to start seeing some freezing. And I think the whole cycle is going to repeat again next spring, depending on the levels of snow we get in the mountains, the runoff, and then the spring rains. Um, I have a feeling those fields on the west side of I-29 in, in extreme western Iowa, I think they're they're done for. They're not going to be planted for several years. Yeah, it's very possible that you get that kind of moisture in there, and it just doesn't go away for a long period of time. Also, there's always the possibility they'll have to actually literally uh, break some of the dikes if uh, there, a wall of water starts coming down uh, beyond that. So it, it'll be curious to see what happens. And this is all Mother Nature, uh, although I'm sure there will be some people wanting to blame all this on harp. This is really has to do with jet streams. And and uh, and, the, and personally, I see it as connected to the events in the sun that's been pumping up our weather for quite some time, which is what global weather change is all about. Let's uh, change pace here real quick. We don't have a lot left in the show. Uh, you know Scott Hossetter from uh, Lo the congregation at Lowe's Hill, his church at Lowe's Hill in Iowa. Uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, uh, wanted to be a part of our network, uh, can you give them a little information as to do that? Yeah, they can... Uh... Uh, they can uh, give me a phone call at uh, 712-527-7533. Now, that is an office phone. It's not a cell phone. So um, I try to check the messages as often as I can when I come inside from working. But um, leave me a message, and I can get back to you. 
Uh, you can also send me an email at uh, libertyfarmsiowa at gmail.com and uh, go that, that way as well. And then if anybody uh, gets on the Living Network at org, and you join the network in the uh, Iowa, Nebraska area, I don't know how many states you cover, uh, but uh, any of those states, uh, you'll see them join on that group and uh, and know that uh, they can get in contact with you that way. And you're in contact with the rest of the network uh, through uh, the other uh, personal contact ministers that are elected by the people for the people, <laughs> so to speak, and uh, we, we can build this network. And really, it's about people willing to help other people and looking for ways to do this in accordance with the message of Christ. And uh, and we hope to have more people on. We'll we'll get a report on how well this all worked. Uh, uh, having guests on and we'll try to have different contact ministers across the country and even in other countries like uh, Canada and Australia uh, and try to stimulate some interest uh, that way. Right after the show we're going to have a meeting on uh, talk show with uh, hopefully a lot of the personal contact ministers that have been elected by the people and try to get this network moving forward. Another item that's on our agenda is to uh, uh, syndicate the Keys of the Kingdom uh, radio show so that uh, we can start bringing more and more people to the network. Um, have you heard any uh, positive stories that you can leave us with uh, uh, coming out of the Midwest uh, uh, during uh, some of these trials and tribulations? Um, yeah, actually, I can. There's been a lot of people that have opened up their homes um, to take in uh, families uh, that are affected on the on the uh, in the lower elevations along the river bottom um, until we can find, you know, and I, I mean, we the community as a whole can find them, you know, new uh, places to live. Uh, so there's a, there's a you know this this part of the country as well as I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with in rural areas especially um, there's already a real strong sense of community and a lot of people go out of their way to help one another um, so there 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 is that it's just a lot of them are stubborn and don't want to leave <laughs> so you know and that's I can understand that if it were me I'd probably want to hang out as long as I could too so uh, but there is a lot of good things happening to help people help. You know, take their pets in while they're you know moved in with other families, things like that. Um, so there, there is a lot of good coming out of this. Right, and uh, unfortunately, that's what it often takes. Uh, one of the reasons I believe that there are stronger communities in rural areas is there's less government there. You have, I know that where we're at, uh, the nearest police station is 75 miles away. Uh, so people have a tendency to depend upon each other because we're there. And this is one of the problems with modern society is they look more and more to government to solve their problems, which we were warned against in the early days, and less and less to our local community. And really what the kingdom of God is all about is it's people helping people in a community-like uh, basis and also a well-organized uh, community network uh, so that people aren't left behind, that you don't forget you, you, people make a list of who's staying in their home and who's not. 
and checking on them and making sure that uh, if things get worse, they're notified and gotten out of there and and uh, taken care of. But anyway, I wanted to thank Scott for coming on the radio uh, and giving us uh, a first-hand report of what's going on there uh, and uh, what's going on in, in the Midwest as far as the kingdom is concerned. So. And we have a number of other people in, in that area. Scott is the first one to come on. But we're going to try to introduce some of the other uh, contact ministers and other shows. Uh, so thanks again, Scott, for coming on. Oh, thanks, Gregory. I'm glad I could, uh, I'm glad I could participate. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we don't have a lot of time left on this show. Uh, it's really important that... Uh, if you want to be a part of the network, you have to actually reach out. Uh, you go to hisholychurch.org. Uh, look for the little guy up there in the top uh, of the page with the net, and uh, the drop-down menu will tell you how to find a local uh, network and uh, join up and uh, pick a contact minister and become a part of those seeking the kingdom of God, which is it. So then, a peace be upon your house, and may God be with You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.